You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Okay, Isaiah chapter 41, very familiar verse of scripture. You know, we've been talking about resting in the Lord. We've been talking about being still before the Lord. We're going to finish up today by talking about what it means to wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord. We, I think most of us, uh, you know, we know this verse, we quote this verse, we love this verse, uh, but I want to unpack a bit of what's in it today. And then if we have time, look at one more verse before we're, before we're done. But this is, of course, uh, in Isaiah. It's, that's why they call it Isaiah 41. So that's the kind of stuff you learn in Bible school. So it's pretty impressive. Um, so 4031, it says, But those who wait on the Lord, who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All right, and I, I talked to you a little bit about this last week, but this, this term, wait or wait on the Lord, that word wait, in a lot of your translations, it's rendered hope, those who hope in the Lord. And that is a part of this, and, and we'll see that. Hope is certainly a part of this. But again, what the literal meaning of this Hebrew word is to bind together by twisting. All right, it's a picture of braiding cords together. And you know how that works. We have braided rope. And this is one of those things where when you have individual strands, there's a certain amount of strength to them. You braid them together. The final product is stronger than if you added up the strength in each individual cord. Does that make sense to you? We call that synergy, right? It's, it's where the, 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 the total of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's synergy. All right, and that's true of braiding. So that's what it's saying is when we twist our lives together with God, we get wrapped up and wrapped around God and he is wrapped around our life. So, so that's not a picture of us. Uh, a lot of people, when they, they think uh, waiting on the Lord, they think that means, okay, I asked God for something. Now I'm just gonna not do anything until it shows up or he does what I ask. That's, that's not what this means at all. There's, there's really nothing passive about this verse or about the idea of waiting on the Lord. All right. It is a, it, it is a binding together, a braiding together of God's life and our life. And when that takes place, there's this multiplication of strength for us, spirit, soul, and body. We can go through things that we would not have been able to go through before. So it's not the idea either that we're a, I'm a strand and then God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit over here are three strands that are one strand. Uh, you know, and they're, and they're over here and I'm going alongside them or I occasionally take hold of them. Now, this is being intertwined with God. And so that's the primary meaning of this, to bind together by twisting multiple strands into one cord or braiding. It also means to wait before, okay, to hang out in the presence of, we could say, to wait before, to spend time with God. That's a part of this word. To look toward intentionally, to fix our eyes 
on the Lord rather than all, on all of our circumstances and other people and our finances and our whatever, you know, whatever else that we might put hope in or expect to make things work in our lives. It's to wait before, to look toward, okay, and to place our hope in. So we're intentionally putting our hope in God instead of our hope in lots of other things that would like to be the recipient of your hope. There are lots of things we can hope in. We can hope in other people. We can hope in the economy. We can hope in politicians. We can hope in, we can hope that our car makes it to church today. We can, you know, we, this is saying, this is all part of the same word. Place your hope. We get to, we get to set our hope. And remember, this is important too. We say this every time we talk about hope. Biblical hope, that word in the Bible means confident expectation of good coming in the future. It is, it is a, it's a future word. It's not a right now word, but it is confident expectation. It's not wishing. Because again, the reason I always say this, because that's how we use it in English. Oh, I hope that happens. We're saying, I wish that would happen. There's no real confidence to that statement. There's no real expectation, sort of like it might or it might not, you know, but I hope it does. That's how we use it in English. That's not how the Bible uses it. Hope is a very powerful, uh, for lack of a better word, force in the Bible. It is, a, it is a powerful thing in our own hearts. Our hope, we will go along the path of our hope. Our, our hope will actually set the stage for faith to enter in and bring something to pass. That's over in Hebrews chapter 11. So hope is a very powerful thing. So, so we are here, we are placing our confident expectation in the Lord. This is all a part of what this scripture says when it says, those who wait on the Lord. Okay, so they're, they're doing all these things. They're binding their life together with God. They're spending time in his presence. They're fixing their eyes on him and they're placing their hope in him. Okay, those who wait on the Lord. For those people, those, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will uh, walk and not faint. All right, so this, so this promise part of this goes to people who develop this as a lifestyle. Again, not earning it. It's not about meriting it. Because you do these things, it's about applying the tool of waiting on the Lord to the design and the system that God built us with, all right? When we do this, we will increase in strength because we'll be braiding our life together with him. So, so this cord, the way I see it, is a four-strand cord. It's, it's you, it's the Father, it's the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit, all right? So it's a four-strand cord, four lives, and I know God is one, but he, but he is, his one is made up of those three individual parts. And he, and so the question becomes for us, all right, am I braiding my life together with the Lord? So I just want to look at that. We are, you know, the question for me is, are you all wrapped up in the Father? Okay, what does it look like to have my life wrapped up, braided together with the Father? Well, the Father is the creator. His role in the Godhead, he is the source of all things. He is the ultimate source of everything. He is the creator. 
And so the question becomes for me, am I living my life in such a way that I am seeking his creational purpose for me? He designed me for something specific. He put gifts in me. He put certain abilities in me that maybe you don't have and you have some that I don't have. All right, that's why then he puts us together as a body. But he has a creational design and a plan and a purpose in this generation for every one of us that are sitting here today. So am I living my life on a path to seek that and to pursue that? Am I pursuing the kingdom? To me, that would be the same as seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. It's this idea that that's my number one pursuit in life is, Lord, what, what did you create me for? What is your purpose for me today? What is your purpose for me in life? You know, so, so if I'm going to braid myself together with him, I'm going to be seeking that out of the Father. I'm going to be sold out completely to fulfilling the Father's will. Jesus said that was his food. He said, he said I have food that you don't know of. It's doing the will of my Father. So there's this idea of if, if I'm going to be braiding my life together in the Father, Part of that's going to be, Lord, what is your will for my life? Men's group will have a lot to say about that as they go into that study. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeking that to know what his purpose is for me and then to fulfill his purpose in my life. And then thirdly, to be established in his love. Okay. And a part of that is endeavoring to take my identity from who God says I am, all right? Because my, my parents told me certain things about me. Life has told me certain things about me. My wife tells me certain things about me. You know, just living with people, there are certain reflections that we get about ourselves. Some of you came up really with a, a totally contrary image of yourself to who God says you are. And when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, he sees you in Christ. So when he looks at you, he sees you in the scope of enveloped in your salvation, the blood of Jesus, what Jesus has done. And that's why he says, now you're a child of God. It hasn't even been revealed what you'll be in eternity but now you're a child of God. That's why he calls us his children. That's why he calls us his adult children that participate. You know, the Greek word huios, that, that participate with him. He calls us his friends. He calls us uh, his, again, his children, his friends, his partners, all of these things. So in, a part of being wrapped up in the Father is to draw my identity from who he says I am not just how I think about myself. And that's a process. That's a process of transformation for every single one of us because what God says about us is so far superior to what any of us could think about ourselves um, and yet without pride and hubris, it's, it's pretty amazing. So, so that's a part of being wrapped up in the Father is, is seeking that, seeking that in his words, seeking that in presence, letting him speak to you about who you are, letting him tell you, and I'm not, you know, our society gets real, there's, there is a lot of narcissism in our society, and there is a lot of, um, 
gosh, there's just, there's, there's a lot of things out there that are to build your self-esteem. Well, I get it, but this is deeper than that. This is a new identity. You are born again. You are a new creature in Christ. And for every one of us, there's this process of learning who that is. And not just listening to what the devil says, the condemnation that comes from him, that kind of thing. And yet not getting off into self-centeredness or pride or any of that either. Honestly, hearing this kind of stuff from God, seeing it in his word, will just it'll just humble you drastically. So, so wrapping our life around the Father. And then, you know, are, are we wrapped up in the Son? Is our life wrapped up in the Son? So am I seeing myself washed in his blood? When I sin, am I taking that to the Lord? I feel bad about the sin, but I'm taking it and I'm appropriating the forgiveness that he has for me because it's there. Okay, because he died for that sin. I don't have to. All right, I deserved it. He didn't, but he did. And I don't have to. I don't have to punish myself forever. I just need to honestly repent of the sin. I need to take it for the Lord. Let him cleanse me from that sin. So I need to see myself washed in his blood. I need to see myself established in what the Bible calls righteousness, which means right, open, wonderful relationship with God, not based on my works, but based on what he did at the cross. I need to see my, I need to be able to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And people go, and it's like, that's what the Bible says about you. It doesn't say anything about your works. It says everything about his work. We all know what we're like, okay? We all know, and that's what's so fantastic about it. That's what's so amazing, that we can stand and say, because of what Jesus did, we are, I'm a new creature in Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ in him. That's an amazing thing. And again, righteousness doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means I have an established, right, open relationship and access to the Father because of what Jesus did. I am accepted in the beloved because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did or because of what I do. Right? So, so being wrapped up in the Son, binding our life together with Him is getting those things down on the inside of us. All right? It means, you know, what's Jesus doing? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what the Son does, is build the body of Christ. So being wrapped up in Him means I'm planted in the body of Christ. I am, I'm not just an occasional participant in the body of Christ. Or, or float around. God is building, Jesus is building his church, and it expresses itself and always have in a whole bunch of individual local congregations and fellowships like this. That's the way it, it is, okay? Take it or leave it. It's the way it works. And there's some place in that whole system that God wants you, and he wants to plant you if you think of it as the body of Christ, if, if we're people that are just occasional, uh, church is not an event for us to participate in when we feel like it. Church is the body of Christ that Jesus is building. It's his bride. It's his people in the earth. Okay, And yet we have local expressions. There's some place, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that God wants to set us, place us, 
somewhere in the body. And that's where you're going to find feeding. That's where you're going to be able to put down roots. That's where you need to be. It's where you're going to be able to give and you know, serve and, and do all those things um, within the body. If we are people that instead either just occasionally touch base or float, stuff that floats around in your body is generally not good. Things that float around in your bloodstream are generally, they, wherever they lodge, they cause problems. And people that float around from place to place to place in the body of Christ, wherever they lodge, they generally cause problems. If I didn't make you mad with the offering, this is a good opportunity for you to get mad today, okay? I always need to do my job and make somebody mad. It's the truth. It, we need to be planted where God wants us. That's what, that's what Jesus is doing. You're a component of that body, and he, that's what he's doing. He's building his body. So being wrapped up, being braided together with him, one part of that is me taking that role, whatever it is that he has for me, and being that, that brick in the wall, right? That piece of his temple of the Holy Spirit, of his, his body, his, his building, his field, his planting. I mean, the scripture says a lot of things about it. And finally, living for and in his Lordship, carrying out his assignment. You know, he said, I, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have, and he said, go into all the earth. And he said, take the gospel, take the good news to people. Tell them what I've done for them. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. There's an assignment, okay, for us. And so if we're going to be wrapped up in the sun, we're going to be doing the assignment that he gave us to do. We're, we're going to be yielded to him. Does this make sense to you? Don't get too quiet on me. Okay, and then we need to be wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a four-part four cord. You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we're, we're intertwining our life with. So that means I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be intertwined in the Holy Spirit's work. He is the one who's here coaching us. He's the one who's here teaching us. He's the one that we develop this relationship with. We say, you know, we we do have a relationship straight with the Father. We have a relationship with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is the person. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, okay? That's going to change one day. That'll be interesting. But but the Holy Spirit is the one just like Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to send another, and that word another in the Greek means another just like me. So whatever Jesus would bring to your life is what the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your life. Whatever Jesus would teach you, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you and teach you and do in your life. That's who the Holy Spirit is. But he is here to be active in our life. So the scripture says we should earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said don't, to his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit in a few days. And they walked out of that place totally different than they came into it, okay? Because their life became saturated with the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, we need to be involved with who he is, what he wants to do in us, the transformation he wants to do in us, what he wants to release through us, I, I will never, and I don't want to take a lot of time on this today, but I will never understand. I guess I understand on some levels. People have been taught badly or whatever, had some bad experience. Anyway, why people resist the Holy Spirit, his gifts, his moving in the earth, but 
embrace Jesus. They're the same. They're not the same person, but their heart for you is exactly the same. Their purpose for you is exactly the same. The Holy Spirit's not here to make fun of you or embarrass you or freak you out or anything else. As far as the gifts go, they aren't even for you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they aren't even for you. They're for somebody else. He's giving you something to give to somebody. He's giving you some faith to impart somebody or healing to impart somebody or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophecy or whatever it is to give to somebody. It's coming through you. It isn't even for you. Anyway, sorry. It's not our subject this morning. Well, it sort of is. So we need to, we need to give ourselves to his personal coaching. We need to give ourselves to the way he moves in the church age. This is what he does, okay? So in that kind of lifestyle, we find this multiplied strength that is described here. All right, and a part of that, it is, it is this aspect of hope. We receive hope. We receive vision. We receive an inward image of what it looks like to have these things working in our life and what God wants us to do on this day or in that situation. All of this comes to us and it gives us strength. And I just want to give you two verses on it. It says they will renew their strength. And that word renew means uh, to change or to transform or to surpass, or renew. And so the Lord's strength, as we are bound together with him, the Lord's strength surpasses our strength. It transforms our strength. We suddenly have strength, spirit, soul, and body, that we didn't have before. We can do things that we couldn't. We can go through stuff that we couldn't have gone through before. We have this multiplied ability and strength and power that belongs to him, but it's because we're wrapped up in him. Philippians 4.13 says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Get this. This is amplified. I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. One translation there says, who gives me his very own strength. I have strength for all things, all things. I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything. It's, the Amplified says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Self-sufficient, but it's in Christ's sufficiency, not my own. What a great verse, Philippians 4.13. Psalm 29.11 says this. I love this one. The Lord will give. This is amplified again. The Lord will give, 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 okay? Unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. He will give unyielding and impenetrable strength. There are two kinds of strength that are delineated different places in the scripture, both available to us. The first one is an unyielding and impenetrable strength. All right, so that'd be like maybe a, uh, something made of concrete or reinforced concrete or something, something that isn't going to move, right? Something comes against it, something hits it, it just isn't going to move. There's that kind of strength. It doesn't yield. It doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. It just stands there and is strong. And things might break themselves against it, trying to move it, but it isn't going anywhere. There's that kind of strength. And that's what this verse talks about. 
The scripture also talks to us about being like branches plugged into the vine, branches plugged into a tree. And if you think about trees, and I think it's amazing. I mean, we can have these huge winds and they just bend, but then they come back into shape. There's that, that green strength. It's so much harder to break a, a green stick you know, than a dry stick, right? When there's life in something, it has this, it can flex, but it comes back. That's a kind of strength. And we have that too. I think we have both of them. God gives us both of them. When his life is flowing through us, things may come and it may push us a little bit. You know, the scripture says, I'm going to butcher this one because I haven't looked at it in a long time. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. He always gets back up, right? Do you ever have one of those little clown things that you punched as a kid? Had it weight in the bottom, I guess. And then one of my friends had one of those. We'd punch that thing all day long. It would go down, it'd come back up, you know? And that's, I mean, there's that kind of strength on the inside too. We're like those clowns. That the, <laughs> no, maybe. And we shouldn't take that any farther, okay? So eagles, he says, will mount up. The, it's a demonstration of this strength. I really like this because eagles do not gain big altitude on their own strength. They don't flap to really high altitude. They were given, they were designed to fly. Okay, so first of all, there's something in their design to fly. You were designed to live with God, to know God, to hear God's voice, to carry God's spirit, to go out into the earth and do the things he's designed us to do. Eagles, their glory is to fly and to fly in a beautiful way. They're designed. And when that design is put to work, it's a beautiful thing, right? But when they, you know, this says they will mount up with wings as eagles, they flap to get somewhere, but they flap to get to a thermal or to get to a ridge where there's air coming up over that ridge. And then they ride the they ride that invisible force up. They punch into a thermal and they start to circle. It doesn't mean there's something dead underneath them, okay? That's, you know, vultures. People always think, oh, there's something dead. Well, if they're sitting on the ground chomping, then there probably is. But anyway, you know, a lot of these different birds, they, all the soaring birds, they get into an invisible pocket of rising air. And that rising air carries them to altitude. And it's the same thing with us. Our strength is in its... its it's something where we are plugging into God's strength and it is what lifts us up. We are, we are plugging into our design for relationship with the Lord and it is just like that eagle getting into a thermal and staying in those currents and they just circle and circle and circle and go up on those rising currents. And it's, it's an invisible force that's lifting them up. They're not, this is not saying you'll be able to flap to as high, you know, as, as you want to go. It's saying we're going to be able to have this strength that is not our own and it will lift us above these things. That makes sense to you? And it says we will run and not grow weary. That word running, it's used a whole bunch of different ways in the scripture, but it means to move at a rapid pace. We could figure that out through life with a sense of immediate urgency. So there's a reason for this running. There's a sense of urgency. So this speaks of those times in our life where there's something urgent going on and we have to deal with it. 
And we have to, we have to go through this period of life and there's stuff going on. There's immediate urgency to it. And it says we can do that and not grow weary. We can do that. And instead of getting worn out and taken out by whatever it is, we can do that and not grow weary. Why? Because we're all bound together with the Lord. Okay. Weary means exhausted by our own efforts, by our own efforts. So again, we're not doing this in our strength. We're doing it in his strength. Psalm 19, five and six says, I will run along the path laid out by God's moral commands. I will run along the path that's laid out by God's moral commands. So again, it's applying the word of God to your life. It's applying the principles of God to your life. It's, a, it's applying what the Lord has said. It's, that theme has been coming up again today. All right, and then it says we will walk and not faint. That means, that word walk means to make slow, steady progress through life in the sometimes repetitive effort to simply make progress on a daily basis. There is a fatigue that comes sometimes if we're not connecting with God through just doing life. Doesn't even have to be some disastrous thing. Oh, no, it's just the day. You know what I'm talking about. It's the day after day after day. It's the getting up and doing your thing and going to work and dealing with the kids and doing what you have to do. Nothing really bad about it. You know, it's just life, but it can really fatigue us. But this says when we're wrapped up with the Lord and in his strength, then we can do that without becoming without fainting, becoming fatigued, becoming exhausted, becoming overwhelmed or worn out. This is something that's given to us. This is a tremendous thing. And where does it come from? Waiting on the Lord, spending time in his presence, keeping my eyes fixed on him when everything wants to tear him away, putting my hope in him, setting that confident expectation in him, Binding my life together with him. That's where it comes from. Just got a few minutes left. Let's just quickly look at this other verse because this is a different word translated weights in our Bibles. Psalm 62 verses one and two. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only, that's a choice. He only is my rock and my salvation, my defense and my fortress. I shall not be greatly moved. Okay, this term waits or waits in silence. Here's what this is. It's a period, temporary period, but a period of self-imposed silence. Remember, we talked about this way early in this part of this series, how it's, it's when we start to mature to the place where we're no longer like unweaned babies, where we're not, every time something happens, all we know to do is scream. We're maturing past that. Sometimes there's this place of self-imposed silence in anticipation of meeting with God. Okay, so the silence has a purpose. Quieting my soul, I'm quieting my heart, I'm quieting my mind because I'm anticipating I'm, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to hear what he has to say. I need his word. So sometimes I have to put a self in place. I have to shut myself up so that I can hear what he is saying to me. So it's in anticipation of meeting with God or this word is also used of a period of reverential silence in advance of praise. Reverential silence in advance of praise. There, there are many times 
during worship, worship times, maybe on a remedy night or whatever, where you just, everybody just feels at the same time. It's just, we need to just be quiet before God. They used to do this a lot. We're getting really bad at it these days. There used to be times and places where believers would wait for long periods of time for God to speak. And we've kind of lost that and it's too bad, really. But there's still times that we've experienced them many times here and, and at other places where this powerful quiet comes upon us in the presence of God. And we just go silent in anticipation of rising into praise. But it's a time to hear from God. It's a time to get flooded with new strength. It's a time, you know, to, to find out what he is saying. So these are, these are always, these are temporary, okay? These are temporary silences. But, you know, it says, as we have these times in our life, it says we will not be moved when we make that decision. Sometimes not moving takes a lot of strength. Sometimes not moving, not panicking and trying to fix things immediately before we've heard from God takes a, takes a lot more strength than moving sometimes. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes we need this kind of strength that comes from this quiet before God. So I just want to wrap this whole thing up with just we need to have these quiet times in our lives. We need to have those times in worship. I mean, in our individual lives, you know, again, when we were coming up as Christians, uh, it was just standard operating procedure that Christians had what we called quiet times or devotional times daily, pretty much daily. I say daily. If you miss a day, we don't panic. God doesn't panic, okay? Uh, but I mean, it was, a, it was a regular habit to get up in the morning and to have some time that was devoted to God. And it basically involves the Word of God, prayer, and usually some worship. And I don't mean you have to have music. I just mean you take time, and you use that principle of coming in with thanksgiving, right? You come into His presence with thanksgiving, which tends to move us into praise. We start thinking about what we're thankful for. It tends to move us into praise, which tends to cause us to become sensitive to His presence in the place and your heart begins to worship it's just a it's just a principle that works but we would set aside this time and that meant for different people in different stages of life for one thing these days one thing that means is shut off the phone or leave it somewhere else this isn't listening to podcasts this isn't it, isn't even, it doesn't even start out necessarily reading my Bible, but if you're going to be getting texts and you're going to be getting emails and you're going to be getting stuff, then shut it off. I know this is kind of shocking, but you won't die if you turn your phone off. And if you don't know how to turn your phone off, ask somebody who has the same kind of phone you do. They'll teach you how. But I mean, it's like we're going to die if we, you know, if we don't, aren't listening to something these days. I promise you won't, really. And, and so get that out of there. You have to. I, I have to discipline myself in this all the time because I read the Bible off either my phone or my iPad. Well, there's email, there's text, there's Facebook, there's the weather, there's all this other stuff on that device. So, I, you know, you just got to be disciplined about it. But that's what, a, a, what is a quiet time. It's a quiet time. 
And for those of you who have little kids, I'm just going to say this. There's a lot I could say. I'll just say this and I'll let us go. This, if, if you didn't get mad at the first two opportunities for your parents, here's another one. We've known a lot of people. We don't have kids, but we've known all of our friends had kids. We knew what they did as they were growing up raising their kids. Your kids, it is good for your kids to know. This is really hard, guys. Your relationship with them is not the most important relationship in your life. Your relationship with God is the most important in your life. You can't feed life into your marriage or into your kids unless you're receiving it from God. And it's good for them to see that, no, this is mom or dad's, dad's, dad's time with God. And that's really important. And then we can have a time with God together. I mean, handle that however you want to. Ask these guys that are doing this. But I'm telling you, sometimes you have to close the door. Sometimes you have to, oh, well, that's easier said. I know, but figure it out. Because it needs to be a quiet time between you and God. This should be normal. This is getting less normal in the body. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the problems we're seeing. So... It's important. Your husband or your wife should know that's not the first relationship. That's a relationship that is fed and grows out of this relationship. Okay? So make time for it. I mean, we could talk about a lot of details. I think you guys get it. Most of you do this anyway. But I'm just saying, man, we've got to have these quiet times if we want that kind of strength working in our life. Amen? Let's stand up. Okay, I gave you three opportunities to get ticked off today. Should have taken one of them. Two and a half. Oh, I'll try harder. I'll do a week. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much. And Father God, we want everything that you have for us. Lord, we want to be people that are alive in you and alive in your spirit. We want those vital, wonderful uh, relationships with you and those times, Lord, of just basking in your presence and feeding on you and on everything that you have for us. So Lord, I just ask you to teach every one of us at all of our different stages of life, Holy Spirit, this is what you do. You teach us how to do this. And I just pray, Lord, that every one of us would be tenderhearted toward your leading to take time with you in whatever way, in whatever place, Lord, that it would be a, 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 a discipline in our lives, a good discipline in our lives. And so, Father, as we go out of this place today and we go out into our worlds and our community this week and we go to work and we go to school, Lord, we are asking that you flood us and flood through us to bring life and abundance to every person we touch out there. Lord, give us the words to speak. Give us the things to do, Father, to, to bring Jesus into the lives of people. We thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. And we're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And then we'll be up here. A couple of us will be up here to pray for you. If you have specific prayer needs, we want to be able to pray for you. So come on up and take advantage of that. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.